0: So this morning we uh, taught a a lesson, we're going to try to finish it this evening, but it was about wine, and wine uh, is a very interesting study and uh, can be very confusing if you just take it at uh, at face value, I suppose, Uh, because sometimes in the scriptures it's good to drink wine, sometimes it's bad to drink wine. And we asked a question, well, are the scriptures inconsistent? And we said, no, it's not the scriptures inconsistent. We may be, unless the Lord reveals it uh, to us. But uh, And we also made another statement, and this is, to me, it's the key to understanding it. So you talk about wine, is okay, should we drink it? Can we drink it? Can we not drink it? You know, Uh And you'll see in the scriptures certain things, and we'll try to get that tonight as well. But some people say, well, it just depends on how much you drink. But it's not, as I said this morning, it's not the quantity of wine that one would drink. It's the quality of the wine, where it comes from. And uh, we'll see that this evening, Lord willing, as well. But this wine, that's what makes the difference. Uh, Sometimes it's okay to drink wine. Well, it's talking about a certain wine. Sometimes it's not okay. Well, it's talking about a different wine. So we need to understand the quality of the wine and where it originated, and that helps us understand why sometimes it's okay and sometimes it's not. It's where it originates from. I'd like to go back. We read this this morning, but in Revelation chapter 17, we'll start there, and then we'll jump to where we left off uh, this morning. Revelation chapter uh, 17, and we also mentioned this morning while you're turning there that as we study this wine, we want to have our minds, I guess, in the right position, understand how the, the scriptures uh, often uh, is worded. Our Lord, <clears throat> his disciples one time, he said, uh, uh, beware of the leaven of uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they were they was all concerned about, well, we didn't, we didn't bring enough of bread for the journey. Now what are we going to do? We can't buy leaven. Now he's saying we can't buy bread from the Pharisees and the Sadducees. What are we going to do? And he says, I'm not talking about that. He says, I'm talking about the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees. But he explains that. And as I mentioned this morning, if he didn't explain it, would have religions today that before you eat a loaf of bread... You have to find out what that company believes in before you could eat that bread because there's certain places you couldn't buy bread from. But he explained it, and we understand. he wasn't, He's talking about, although he used the word leavening, but he wasn't talking about the leavening of bread. So as we study wine, we want to keep uh, that in mind as well. Uh, what What is it representing? What's it talking about? So Revelation 17 and... Uh, First two verses. And there came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls and talked with me, saying unto me, Come here, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great harlot that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So here they were made drunk, but is that a literal wine? And we know, of course, it's not. And then we're going over to the 18th chapter of Revelation, and uh, verse 3, starting in verse 3. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth are grown rich through the abundance of her delicacies. We didn't talk about those riches and things, and we probably won't this evening. But says I have heard or I and I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people. Calls them out. Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, that ye may receive not of her plagues. For, the sins, for her sins have reached into heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. Reward her even as she rewarded you, and double unto her double according to her works, and the cup which she hath filled, fill to her double. So it says, you know, come out from her, don't be partakers of her, of her sins. Well, what, what are her sins? What were the sins? And then it tells us, verse 7. How much she has glorified herself. That's the sin. That's, and, and you trace that back to Satan and, and Isaiah uh, 14. I will exalt my uh, throne above the stars of God. Uh, so this was, this was the sin that they were made drunk with. How much she has glorified herself. And uh, I think we mentioned this morning... I think we probably all know people that would never touch alcohol. But yet, they're drunk. And they stagger. Stagger out of the way, as we mentioned this morning. But, uh, so there, we see the drunkenness here was how much she has glorified herself. And we see that in the religious world today. That's basically all you hear. The, and how many times have you heard they start out well, that sounds pretty good. And then they get near the end. If they haven't tore down before the end, they'll still tear it down at the end, give you something to glorify yourself with. And they are drunk with that. But he says, you know, be separate, come out, uh, come out from that. Uh, we read this morning, said they had the, the uh, poison, uh, poison of, of serpents. Or their wine is like the poison of serpents. And it says, and like the venom of asp under their tongues. That's what their wine is. So now let's go where we left off this morning. Isaiah uh, chapter 28. Isaiah chapter 28. So we're wanting to to look at these wines both ways. Both the good and the bad, Lord willing. Uh, Isaiah 28 and uh, verse 7. But they also have erred through wine and through strong drink are out of the way. The priest and the prophet have erred through strong drink. They are swallowed up of wine. They are out of the way through the strong drink, they err in vision. They stumble in judgment. So this is talking about the priests and so forth. As we mentioned this morning, it says they're out of the way. And we ask, what is the way? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Straight. <laughs> Straight path. That's, that's the way. But those that are drunk with glorifying themselves, they'll, they'll say the word Jesus is the way but they'll be staggering over here. But you have to take the first step. You have to pray through. You have to uh, hold on. You have to be baptized. You have to uh, turn over a new leaf, and you know the list goes on and on. But they stagger out of the way. They're drunk. Intoxicated is a good word for that, actually. But they're out of the way. Drink a strong drink, and they stagger uh, out of the way. And then Isaiah 29, and verse uh, verse 9. Stay yourselves and wonder. Cry out and cry, they are drunk, but not with wine. And they stagger, but not with strong drink. And that's what we're talking about. They are drunk. There are people today that are drunk, they're intoxicated, but not really with literal wine and literal strong drink and literal alcohol. But they're drunk with the wine of their whore and harlot daughters. They want to glorify themselves. 10. For the Lord hath poured out upon you the spirit of deep sleep and hath closed your eyes the prophets and your rulers, the seers, he has covered. And the visions of all has become unto you like the words of a book that is sealed, which when men deliver to one who has learned, saying, Read this, I pray thee. And he said, I cannot, for it is sealed. So their, their prophets and their priests, their eyes were closed. And, well, let me just mention this. If their eyes are closed... We're in darkness, aren't we? <laughs> if our eyes are not open, we're, we're in darkness. So I want to keep that in mind about these. We're in darkness, drunk, but not with literal wine, not with literal strong drink. And I want to go to Thessalonians chapter 5. Thessalonians, first Thessalonians chapter 5. It tells us the time of day that they are drunk. Or, time of night would be more proper. Titus chapter 5, or Thessalonians, I'm sorry, Thessalonians chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And uh, in verse, let's start in verse 4. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye ye are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor darkness. Therefore let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober-minded. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that are drunk or drunken are drunk in the night. Now, if I was going to take this literal, uh, that wouldn't be true. I, I, uh, a couple of episodes comes to mind when I was a kid. There's one guy, Oh, well, I will not give his name, he's long, long gone from the earth. But anyway, you could be driving along in your car and all of a sudden from the ditch, it raised up, we staggered out of the road, laying there drunk, and raised up like that, drunk, in the daytime. I remember uh, over on 93, Debbie, not too far from your house, used to be Ann's Tavern. And I never went into those places or anything like that, but I was driving by, and there was, it was daytime. And uh, one guy, he was a passenger, and his head was literally hanging out the window and everything like that, puking and everything like that. And uh, there were some mud holes out there, and his head was bouncing. He didn't feel a thing. But it was daytime. He was drunk. But this says, they that are drunk are drunk in the night, in darkness. He tells the church, ye are the light of the world. Those outside are in darkness. And that's where they're drunk. Not with strong drink, not with wine, but with the doctrine. The doctrine of the old whore-to-heart daughters, how much she has glorified herself. And as my sister and I was talking yesterday, you know, they don't know. I mean, they think think they're doing, you know... uh, uh, right and understanding, but they don't know. They don't know they're in darkness. They don't know they're drunk. They don't know they're staggering out of the way. They're good people. But the Lord hasn't opened their eyes at that time. Whether he will in the future, we don't know. Hasn't opened their eyes. They're still in darkness. Still drunk. Still staggering out of the way. In Ephesians chapter 5, talks about uh, coming out from among that in Ephesians chapter 5 but we want to see this well we haven't got to see the other one yet but we want to see this is not certainly not a literal wine that's talking about or literal drunkenness because as I said I know people that have been drunk in the day Ephesians 5 and Let's start in verse 8. Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, to record these words For ye were once darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Walk as children in the light. There's a different walk, isn't it? Those that are in the light have a different walk than those that are in the darkness. Well, how do those walk then in the darkness? They stagger out of the way. How do those walk in the light? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That's the difference in the walk. Straight path, he's the way, staggering those that are in darkness. Uh, Nine, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Those that are in darkness, those that are staggering in the way, have no fellowship with them. Now, reprove them. Certainly, we, we talk to them that the Lord creates the occasion. We talk to them. Uh, I'll just leave it at that. And, then, of course, the results is up to the Lord, of course, as, as always. But yet, we don't, we don't have fellowship with them. We don't join with them. We don't want to be unequally yoked uh, with them. Uh, Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Don't have any fellowship with that walk staggering out of the way. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. Is it? The things that they do in darkness and secret says it's a shame to speak of those things. And Chuck, it is. You hear things like Well, comes to mind a lady one time. She said, the Lord's called me, but I told him he's going to have to wait a little longer. What a shame to say, Lord, I I remember my parents used to call me for supper or something like that. Grew up in a little village out at Waterloo, and they'd call me from supper. And uh, I didn't say, wait a little longer. Well, first of all, I was probably hungry. But anyway, if they they called me to come in for another reason, I didn't say, wait a little longer. There's my parents. They had rods of correction. But this woman, God, you're just going to have to wait a little longer. Is that not a shame? People that, well, you've all heard them and everything. But the one, another man said, You do all these things, and when it's your time to go to the pearly gate, God owes it to you to let you in. In other words, God is indebted to you. Is that not a shame? That's spoken to them in darkness, in secret. Another one, I'll mention his name, Kenneth Copeland. He's still out there and about, I guess. But anyway, he said... uh, he said, God needs you. Is that not a shame, too? He says, in fact, point your finger at yourself and say, God needs me. He was begging for money, of course. But that's what he was saying. Is that not a shame? when well, it says, it's a shame even to speak of those things which are done in secret. That's a shame. The God, If God needs me, he's in really, really bad shape. And he's not in bad shape. He, he can raise up stones to, to, to worship him. But it is a shame to speak of those, or shame even to speak of those things which are done to them in darkness. They're drunk in the darkness. They stagger in the darkness. Not with literal wine, not with literal strong drink, but with the doctrines. Uh, Where would we leave off? Uh, 13, but all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatever doth make manifest is light. <clears throat> so the scriptures make manifest of that. The, the light makes manifest that they are staggering out of the way, of course. 14, wherefore he saith, Awake, thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. And I've told you before, I used to think, Oh, this is the second. The very minute that God imparts life. Because I always wondered, when was that? When did he really impart life? And I always thought this was it. Awake, thou that sleepest. arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. But these were alive. They were just out there among the dead. But they were alive. He wakes them and calls them out of that. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. There's a different walk. No longer stagger, out of the way. He calls us out of darkness and to the light. And we, do we realize, and I don't think it can be stated much better than what Paul did, I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and I'm crucified. That's our walk. That's a straight walk. He's the way. So we have a different walk when he calls us out of that darkness. When we was in that darkness, or those that are in darkness, when we was in that darkness, we staggered out of the way. <clears throat> so, let me read on here a couple more uh, uh, verses. In verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So we want to understand what the will of the Lord is. Verse 18. And be not drunk with wine in which is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. You say, well, that means you can drink a little bit, but just not too much. Does it? Says understanding what the will of the Lord is, and don't be drunk with wine which is in excess. So that again, well, I used to believe it too, but uh, but the world says, well, okay, you can drink a little bit, but just not too much. <clears throat> well, if that's what it means, I really want to know how many ounces is that because I don't want to cross over, and I, I don't like wine anyway. Like I said, the more, more expensive it is, the more I hate it. But, uh, but anyway, uh, you, wouldn't you want to know that if you, some people drink wine and whatever like that? But wouldn't you want to know if, if it's excess, wouldn't you want to know how many ounces that is? The word excess doesn't mean the way in our English language what it means. It means you know, like too much, something like that. But this doesn't. And the Greek word is uh, azoteo or something like that. Probably nothing like that, but that's how I would pronounce it. But it means so, this word excess, I know what we think it means or what the dictionary would tell us that's too much in excess. But what this word means is not preserved. Unsavedness, as in wine. So the word excess has to do with wine, but it's not talking about how many fluid ounces or liters or gallons or whatever. It says it's not preserved. There's so if it's not preserved, then it what? It goes. It's, it's bad. Something wrong with it. Then this wine. It says, I want you to know the will of God. Understanding the will of the Lord. Don't want you to drink this wine in which is something. This wine has something in it. It's not pure. I might say, don't be filled with chicken, where is in salmonella bacteria. This chicken's got something in it. Don't partake of that. It's got something in it. I I might not say how many ounces to eat. I'm just saying, don't eat that. It's got something in it. It's got salmonella uh, uh, bacteria in it. Don't eat that. And that's what this is saying. This wine has something in it. It's unpure. There's something in it. It's not preserved. After wine goes through a fermenting process and everything, you know, then it's, it's preserved. But this wine is not preserved. <clears throat> and again, the word unsavedness and wine is also there, but it's, it, it's not preserved. This wine is not. Uh, there's, there's something in it. It has excess in it. I'm not talking about the volume or the quantity, I'm talking about the quality. It's got something in it. Poor quality. It's unpreserved. So it's the, as we look at these wines, and some places it says drink it, some people some places it says don't drink it, and we we're certainly not exhausting this study tonight either. But it's talking about different wines. And we need to understand that. Uh, let's go back to Proverbs chapter 23. The book of Proverbs is kind of where I was, uh, as I was appointed teacher, kind of where we started at, and was very uh, scary to me. Book of Proverbs, uh, chapter 23, I believe it is, and uh, verse 29, Proverbs 23 and 29. Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contentions? Who hath babbling? Who hath wounds without cause? Who hath redness of eyes? They that tarry long at the wine. They that go to seek mixed wine, wine with something in it. Those that have those that have this wine that has something in it, they have woe, they have sorrow, they have contentions, babblings, and Isn't that true? If we go to the wine of the old whore and her daughters, and that wine is how much she glorified herself, and if that's what you're trusting in, which the world does, glorify yourself, and if you're, if you're uh, good enough, then you'll make it, then don't you have woe? I did. Don't you have sorrow? Uh, I've mentioned many times a young man used to work for me, probably one of the best moral young men you'd ever want to, uh, to, uh, to be around. And he says, one day, well, I know I'm going to hell whenever I die. Is that sorrow? Is that woe to believe that? Why, and I, we talked, I said, well, why, why do you think that? What he had heard from the religious world, from darkness, the wine that was mixed that caused him to stagger, he says, I can't live up to what they're saying. And what he didn't know, I said, well, they can't live up to it either. And the scripture tells us that. So this mixed wine here says... uh, uh, They that tarry long at the wine, they that go to seek mixed wine. It has this impurities in it. It's not pure. Uh, 31. Look not thou upon the wine when it's red, when it giveth its collar in the cup, when when it moveth itself aright. Satan believed he could move himself aright. Yeah, I exalt my throne above the stars of God. Moveth itself aright. Don't don't drink that wine. Unpreserved, not pure. Uh, verse thirty-two: At the last, it biteth like a serpent, stingeth like an adder. And we read this morning uh, those that. Uh, said they they served a different God, but said uh, their wine had the poison of serpents. Their wine had the venom of asp. And that's what it says, that's what this wine is. At the last it biteth like a serpent, and it stingeth like an adder. Thine eyes shall behold strange things, and thy heart shall utter, uh, utter perverse things. I just happened to think of this. Their eyes behold strange things. What a few weeks ago was talking about the parable uh, of the Lord uh, making spittle and uh, healing his eyes and things like that. And uh, he did it and says, what do you see? His eyes saw strange things. He saw men walking as trees, big, powerful, mighty men. That's what he saw. He saw strange things. And the Lord said, I'm not through with you yet. <laughs> and he touched his eyes again, and then he saw clearly. And when you, see, when you see man clearly, you don't see him as big, strong trees. You see him totally depraved, totally dependent upon our God. So, but with this wine, so if you take the wine of those that are drunk in darkness... Drinking that wine, your eyes are going to see strange things. man. See, what the Proverbs said, I've seen, and uh, maybe in Psalms, so I've seen strange things. I've seen uh, princes walking and servants riding upon the horses. That's backwards. But that's what he's seeing. So the religious world is kind of backwards. They have God depending on man. Okay. Uh, Verse 34. Yea, thou shalt be as one that lieth down in the midst of a sea, or as he that lieth upon the top of a mast. So if you drink this wine, this mixed wine, that's like the poison of asp and venom uh, of, uh, of serpents, if you, if you drink that wine, it says you'll be as one in the midst of the sea or as one uh, lieth upon the top of a mast. So we're not talking about the ocean liner. Ocean liner is not affected too much by the waves, I don't think. But think of the boats that they had and everything. Out in the midst of the sea. What was it? Just tossing and turning back and forth, back and forth. And think if you had a mast up there, and you was on the top of that mast, what you'd really be tossed back and forth. But that's what happens with this wine. This wine that has these impurities, that has this excess in it, that's what happens. Become drunk, staggering out of the way, and that's what it says about this. Those that seek this mixed wine be like a boat in the sea, just back and forth, back and forth, tossed to and fro. Uh... Ephesians, well, yeah, let's go there. Ephesians chapter 4, may as well since we're that close. Uh, Book of Ephesians chapter 4. So this wine, you see what it does. Those that are drunk with that wine, uh, it causes them to be tossed to and and fro. And here in in, uh, Ephesians 4 and 14... that we, Paul's including himself in this statement, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by a sly of men and cunning craftiness by which they lie in wait to deceive. So Paul says, I was tossed to and fro. We were tossed to and fro. He said, no, don't be that way any longer. Don't. Don't partake of that mixed wine. Don't partake of their deeds in darkness. Don't partake of that. They stagger, not with strong drink, not with wine, but they stagger out of the way. And Paul says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro. Like on a boat out in the sea and up on that mast. Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness by which they lie in wait to deceive. And certainly they do. So we don't, don't be drunk with this wine of the old whore and harlot daughters, how much she glorified herself. Because you're tossed to and fro. You'll, you'll, we'll hear them say, oh, it's Jesus and he's the way. But then the first thing you know, they're telling you, I picked up a little track one time, you don't see them too much, but used to in men's restroom, see them all the time. It says there's one way to heaven. And you open it up, and there's about six or eight different ways they had listed. Well, they, was, they were drunk, tossed to and fro out of the way. We mentioned this morning, oh, let's go there, Daniel chapter 4. We, didn't, we mentioned this morning, we didn't read it, but let's go, let's go look at that. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, he was drunk glorifying himself but certainly the Lord sobered him up and uh, the Lord used a period of I believe seven years or seven seasons or seven times to do this he could have done it immediately done it pretty quick with Saul of Tarsus didn't he so here uh, uh, Daniel uh, chapter 4 And we remember uh, Nebuchadnezzar had this dream, and uh, Daniel interpreted this dream and and told him what was going to happen. Your king is going to be taken away, uh, but it's going to come back to you and everything, but it's going to be taken away. So in verse 28, And this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar at the end of 12 months. 12 months from what? 12 months from when Daniel interpreted the dream. So he was out one day walking on his porch and looking at his calendar. And no doubt, Daniel's dream had troubled Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, your kingdom, they're going to overthrow you. They're going to take the kingdom away. So undoubtedly that troubled Nebuchadnezzar. And all of a sudden, 12 months later, he said, nothing's happened. Nothing at all has happened. And... uh at the end of the twelve months, walked uh, in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. So he said, "Yeah, nothing's happened. Nothing's going to happen." And then verse thirty, and the king spoke and said, "Is not this great Babylon that I have built, for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power, and for the honor of my majesty?" Was he not drunk with the wine of the old whore and her daughters? How much he glorified, how much she glorified herself, how much he glorified himself. He was also seeing strange things. He thought that he had done this, seeing strange things, seeing men as trees and everything like that, seeing strange things because he was drunk with this. We won't go through, but you know, through the seven years, and uh, the Lord took, again, he could have done it immediately. But the Lord used, it says, seven times. I think it was seven years with the seven different seasons and everything. I think uh, probably that maybe that first year and, and uh, maybe spring and summer began to come. And, boy, these peaches. Oh, these are so good and everything. Well, this is not too bad living out here. These peaches are pretty good. And the different things he would eat. Maybe the next year there's a late frost. There are no peaches. And maybe different thing. Maybe the walnuts. Maybe it was a drought year and there wasn't any walnuts. But through seven times, seven seasons, the Lord sobered him up. And let's look at that in, uh, in verse 34. And the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lift up mine eyes into heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me. And I bless the Most High, and I praise and honor him who liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth, including himself, are reputed as nothing. Now, whenever he's drunk, he thought he, was, he really glorified himself, thought he was something, didn't he? But now, the Lord sobered him up opened his eyes maybe a little spittle I don't know and all that happens to the earth are reputed as nothing he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth and none can stay his hand or say unto him what doest thou? sobered him up he was seeing seeing clearly them uh it says, he doeth his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. I ask people, is the Lord's will being done in heaven? Why, well, yes. I said, and so is it on the earth. I certainly may not understand it. And you may not understand it. We don't see the end of it many times. Sometimes we do, but sometimes uh, we don't. But anyway, uh, we see Daniel, he was drunk. He was drunk with the wine, the old whore, and her daughters, glorifying himself, seeing strange things, seeing men walking as trees, and uh, uh, drunk. But the Lord soaped him up, and then he, he looked at the Lord as the most high. Not one of the high ones, the most high. Uh, Proverbs 31. Let's, let's go there. Proverbs chapter 31. <laughs> Proverbs 31. And uh, so here, and, and this, if we didn't know there was two different types of wine, a good wine and a bad wine, this would really cause a lot of confusion. But we're going to see here, yes, it's okay for some to drink wine, and here it's not good. But we understand now there's, there's two types of wine. So, uh, Proverbs 31, verse 4. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink. So these earthly, king, earthly kings and princes uh, says it's not for kings to drink wine. That's the earthly wine. Well, we talk, I forgot to bring up tonight. We talked this morning about the Lord says, "I'm the vine, you're the branches. What kind of wine you think is brought forth from that? The fruit of the vine." So the Lord, I'm the vine, you are the branches. So there's a good wine there, the quality of wine, there's a good wine that comes from that, and it won't cause you to see strange things. It's not a mixed wine. So here he says, uh, uh, it's, not, it's not for kings of uh, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor the prince a strong drink, lest they, forget, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert justice in any uh, of the afflicted. So he says, if you drink this wine, You're going to forget the law. You're going to forget God's truth. You're going to forget the way. This wine, and again, if we drink, I'm not talking about if we just listen to it, but if we are made drunk with the wine that we hear, then we're missing what God is saying. We're hearing what man is saying, but we're missing what God is saying. So here, he says, don't drink this wine. It'll make you forget. It'll make you forget that God is a sovereign. It'll make you forget that God's on the throne. It'll make you forget that you're dependent upon God, not the other way around. That wine will do that. It has impurities in it. But then he says there is an application. Verse 6, give strong drink. Now, this is a different strong drink. You understand. Give strong drink to him that is ready to perish. Wine to those that are of heavy hearts. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his misery no more. And thank God for that wine. As the Lord brought me to this body, the vine and the branches and the wine that was brought forth from that, and it was given to me, I thought I was ready to perish. I didn't know. Did I have a heavy heart? Like the young man I talked about, he said, I know I'm going to hell whenever I die. That's that's a heavy heart. You give strong drink to them, you give wine to them that what? That uh, forget his poverty and remember his misery no more. Forget that condition you were in of Adam. In Adam we all fell. You drink this wine that comes from the heavenly vine of Jesus Christ and his truth, you drink that wine, and you forget about that. You forget about your position in Adam, and you look at your position in Christ. And the sorrows and the heaviness goes away with that wine. So we look at this and realize, as we study the scriptures, here, right together, don't drink this wine. Drink this wine. Two different wines so it, it's not the quantity of the wine it's the quality of the wine one's from a heavenly vine and the other is the earthly vine it's earthy uh, got a couple minutes uh, Psalms 104 because so we kind of looked at the negative wine uh, most of the time Psalms 104 but certainly we're Blessed with the heavenly, the fruit of the vine from the heavenly vine that's in the light and not in the darkness. Psalms 104 and, I see, in verse 9, I see. Thou hast set a bound that they may not pass over; that they turn not again to cover the earth. This is the Lord doing. It. It's what I'm bringing this out for. He sendeth springs into the valleys, which runneth among the hills. They gave drink to the beasts of the field, and wild asses quenched the thirst. By them shall the fowls of the heavens have their habitations that sing among the branches. He watereth the hills from the chambers of the earth, satisfieth with the fruit of thy works. He causes the grass to grow for the cattle, the herb for service of man, that he may bring forth food out of the earth. And listen what else he does. And wine. This is what else he supplies. And wine. That maketh glad the heart of man, and oil to make his face to shine, and bread with strength man's heart. So the Lord supplies a wine that maketh the heart glad. I'll tell you what, that wine in darkness that they're drunk with, it doesn't make the heart glad. And I've talked to people that, on the surface, a good, quote, Christian people all their life. And they come, they're going to have a serious surgery or something really what we might call life-threatening. And these people that all their life, yeah, I'm a good Christian, I go to church, and I don't drink wine and all this. Then they'll say, you know, I don't know if I've been good enough or not. Well, see, this true wine that the Lord supplies maketh the heart of man glad. That wine that they're drunk with is full of woes and sadness. So thank the Lord for that and uh, we're, we're out of time but the wine from the true vine the heavenly vine and the branches and so forth it maketh the heart glad. We could read Ephesians 1:4. Doesn't that make your heart glad that God chose his elect in Christ before the foundation of the world that be holy without blame before him in love? Doesn't that make your heart glad? John 10, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give unto them eternal life. And they'll never perish. So, as you, and there's a lot about wine in the scriptures, but as you study it, just think on this. It's not the quantity of the wine, it's the quality. It's where it originates. There is different wines. May the Lord bless the speaking of his word. We're dismissed.